And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. As a fellow spectacled man, how often do you feel the need to clean your glasses? Well, DC Matthews at the DC Matthews, I clean my glasses every single time they're dirty. Well, correction, when I perceive them to be dirty, such as right now, I've cleaned them about three times in yeah. the past two minutes because I've got some junk on this right lens that is not coming off and it's making me very angry. And, and I see that you are doing the, what I've done my entire life, even though I've been told by many people that it's the wrong thing to do. You're cleaning them on your shirt. Yeah. Totally the wrong thing to do. And I don't give a shit at this point. Um, you know, when I first get a pair of lenses, I'll be good about it. Maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe, you know, that first year and a half even. However, at some point, you're like, look at these fucking things. There's little micro scratches all over them anyways. Who gives a damn shit about it? I'm going to clean around whatever I got handy. The yeah. end. Do you sometimes go for the undershirt, believing somehow that that is cleaner <laughs> than the surface shirt? Uh, not that it's cleaner, but like if I'm wearing like something made out of a nice Oxford cloth or something, sure. like I'll go with the undershirt because I perceive it to be softer fibers. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I mean, whatever. Do you do the the cleansing wipes, the lens cleaning wipes? Occasionally, yes. I find that at some point the buildup on them gets to be such that wiping them on a shirt doesn't do the business. Yeah. So then I get the proper wet wipe version. Uh, to give it a, a thorough cleanse, followed up by a microfiber or something, and that makes it good for a while. Oh, I don't even use the microfiber. I just use this. And then if this, if I see some streaks or something, it's right back to the shirt. I'm just making yeah, it. It's two steps enough. forward, two steps back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't blame you. It's it's a curse, these speckles. Yeah. Um. Now. That's right. Bus speckles. I said it. I, I totally understood what you meant. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You have done contacts. I have. I've done contacts in the past. Wore them for a couple of years. Um, but I had issues with them wearing them. Well, I really had fit issues with the contacts, I think. And I just gave up after a while. Yeah. Um, I, my eyes have, I have a slight astigmatism in one eye. Mm -hmm. So it's just slight enough where regular contacts are never... Right. Regular contacts are like always just just out of focus for me. They never sit quite right and they're not good. So then I get the the weighted ones that are made for stigmatisms. But again, I only have a slight astigmatism and those are just so much less comfortable. And in fact, again, I think it really is a fit issue. But the ones I had, they were leaving like a red mark on my eye after Ugh. wearing them for prolonged periods of time. Ugh. And like. I could have tried to go back, get them refitted and blah, blah. But eventually after a while, I was just like, you know, I see better with the damn glasses. Forget it. Just forget it. Well, and I and forgot once, it. Once you are officially going into the sciences, you know, glasses add a certain level of dignity and wisdom. 
Well, and you know, to some extent, working in laboratories with certain types of chemicals and fumes, um, you don't want to be wearing contacts. You don't want to get mm. um, a chemical fume in the eye that welds your contact to the surface of your cornea because that Jesus. would be unpleasant. So they generally uh, recommend against wearing them in laboratory settings, um, depending on you know what hazards are present. But. How often are you wearing safety goggles? Goggles vary infrequently. Most of the hazards present in my laboratories don't really require the level of safety that comes with a goggle. So instead, we wear safety glasses. Um, there is a difference, right? Yeah. Goggles wrap around completely. Sure. Uh, make sort of a liquid tight seal around the eyes. Safety glasses do not. So they're not really meant for chemical hazards. They're meant more for physical hazards. Uh, but again, with the level of chemicals that we are working with in our laboratories, introductory level stuff, um, we are allowed to wear safety glasses. So. I, I have so many questions now. Uh, do you put the safety glasses on over your regular glasses? Yes. I have never purchased prescription safety glasses. Okay. Moving on into a different area. What is the most dangerous chemical that you yourself has ever used in a laboratory setting? I mean, it depends, I suppose, on what kind of danger you're talking about. Um, I would probably say it's something like concentrated 12 molar hydrochloric acid. Um, you know, 12 molar being basically pure hydrochloric acid um, that would cause significant chemical burns. We don't work with it like directly per se, but like we do work with it to make dilute solutions. You start with the concentrated stock. That's the sort of thing you get a waft of that, that fume and your nose burns. You know what I mean? Like it's not pleasant. You, you do not want a lung full of those fumes um, that can do some damage. So probably something like that. Uh, maybe if not that, maybe like a perchloric acid, um, perchloric acids um, are acids, but they also have oxidizing properties. So um, they can combust and things like that. So, you know, flammable and acid. So like that, that's probably not great. And if you want to go a different direction, something non-corrosive, um, you know, we work with gels looking at DNA and stuff like that. And so developing those, we don't use it so much these days, but we've definitely used ethidium bromide in the past, which is a type of dye that binds with DNA and allows you to see it underneath UV light. Um, but of course, since that intercalates between um, the bands of the DNA helix, it's, uh, it's potentially a very strong mutagen, cancer, uh, causing cancer, carcinogen, you know, that sort of thing. But um, haven't used that in a while. We tend to use safer alternatives that you still treat like ethidium bromide. Um, but, you know, something like that. Somewhere in there. Hmm. I would like to know from the listeners, when Doc said 12 molar hydrochloric acid, was I alone in thinking of just stacking teeth on top of each other? Being like, that's how many teeth it will dissolve before, it, you know. Anyone who's taking a general chemistry course, they may not remember what molar is, but they know molar. They've experienced molar. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unit that expresses concentration. Yes. I am, I am familiar with the, because it's just the mole, right? Mole per one liter yes. of solution. I am reminded of that, though I didn't 
take a college level chemistry class. Um, I did take one in high school, so I am familiar with it, but that was the first thing that popped into my head and I hope I'm not alone. So, uh, now that I have proceeded to interrogate you for almost 10 minutes on eyewear and uh, chemicals and things, how are you? I'm good, question mark. Okay. How are you doing, DC Matthews at the DC Matthews? I am well. I am, I am tired. I am a bit fatigued. This, the month of September, we're recording this on the uh, penultimate day of September. Uh, and, you know, I, it was a rough month, but it has been a good week so far. And so I'm doing all right, but I, I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired. We, you know, I got home after a meeting and my wife had ordered, you know, the midweek groceries and had gotten a rotisserie chicken and gotten some pizza dough. So there was a little pizza and a salad and some chicken for me. And I sat on the couch and we were watching an old baking show. And I was like, I could sit here and eventually just fall asleep, still sitting here and be very, very happy. And then I remembered, ah, it is podcast day and I must, I must go. Cast, <sighs> cast some pods. Yeah, I honestly don't think I really remembered it was podcast day either. I got your text message asking about time literally as I was stepping out of my car, getting home for the evening. So got inside Mrs. Manson doing her best to ease me from my day, you know, running around multiple campuses, had mm-hmm. Dinner basically on the stovetop, a nice sort of, I don't know, it's not on this really think of the Swedish meatball per se, but something along those lines with a noodle, you know, that was, that was dinner ready. Basically, as soon as I walked in the door, which was awesome. Thank you, Mrs. Manson. You're too good to me. And um, yeah, choked that down real quick. Got myself some water, ran upstairs. I actually had about 20 minutes before we were going to get started and I had ordered and received yesterday an under desk mount for my uh, computer tower. I'm going to mount it to the underside of the desk. Oh, interesting. Just to get it off the desktop. Sure. And I said, I got 20 minutes. I could get this thing installed. Um, Not the computer itself, but just, you know, getting the mount mount screwed in, drilled and screwed into the bottom of this desktop. And yeah, it worked out. It was, you know, two minutes before we were ready to get on here. And I was like, well, I better go get some water. So I made you wait for a couple of minutes. I'm sure you disliked that. No, I was but. fine. I, I actually, I, because I was, you know, I sat here, I saw your text and I was in the middle of checking my stuff because, you know, now that we have a couch, we can actually sit and watch something in the evenings. And, you know, so I don't bring my technology with me. I had my phone, but I hadn't yeah. checked any of the, you know, evening websites. I hadn't, you know, gone on to Twitter all that much and seen what was going on. So I saw your your message and I was like, you know what? No, I don't care. I'll continue right. to check and see what's right. going on. And um, but yes, I could see you know the desire to mount it underneath. So is it going to be suspended off of the ground? Yes. Un- yes okay. Interesting. And this is a you know a sit stand desk, so it'll rise when the desk rises, which is yep. the point. So that way the cords don't get pulled out. How often are you transitioning from a sit desk to a stand desk? Honestly, these days, not that often. But when I was working from home, um, sure, more often than than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think I do use it. Um, I, 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 I want to like 
I want to double back. And I think I've asked this question before, but I'm going to, I'm going to do regular check-ins. You're very busy. You're working two jobs, three jobs, technically. Uh, you've got a lot on your plate. And I know that in the past, the Doc Manson of old, the Doc Manson that I knew and probably, oh, actually, it, it's, it's, I would have met the old Doc Manson. We, would have, we, have, we have known e- of each other's existence for 20 years now. Because wow. we, we would have met in September of 2001 trying to plan a, a drama group. So we have known of each other's existence for 20 years. We've been friends to make this joke that I make every time. And we've been friends for at least three of those. Yes. <laughs> we've podcasted for five. And I think we've really started to like each other these last six months or so. Um, uh, but, you cracked me up. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, um, but I know the, the Doc Manson of old would have found this to be a very stressful time. And could have potentially, maybe a little bit, been difficult to be around as he was dealing with with these stressful times. Uh, I don't think that's the case now. I think time has softened you, your rough edges. And I think your wife is very good for you because, like you said, you came home, dinner was prepared. Um, Are you finding it difficult to to work on your marriage as one must always work on their marriage um, with all of this other stuff happening? I mean, I don't don't know. I don't think so. You feel like you have enough. You feel like you have enough time to spend with her. I mean, more is always good, right? So, yes. I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's not perfect or nothing, but I think it's going okay. okay. I, I definitely am busy. Yeah. And, you know, she's left to her own devices probably more often these days. But I don't think we've ever really had an issue with that ourselves. But oh, I found a perfect segue because there was something else I just remembered I wanted to talk to you about. Um, have you considered with all of this uh, getting a second dog? Definitely. Really? I think we have more so in recent years because, you know, Oscar has some health issues and caring for those health issues have potentially been cost prohibitive. Um, And, you know, I think more so these days we feel like maybe it would be more comfortable to add another dog to the mix if it came to that. Mm -hmm. Might I suggest not another dog, but if you go to the Amazon website, they have just unveiled all of their new technology. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. I think you need an Amazon Astro. You do, huh? A, a household robot that looks approximately, from my, my gathering, approximately uh, Oscar-ish in size. It has you know, some monitoring features. It has a camera, so you could... You know, all of a sudden your face could pop up and you could, you know, it would find the dog for you and you could say hi to the dog and it keeps an eye on things. I don't know. I, I, I was curious as to what you thought about this. You know, I think Jeremy referred to it as an Amazon spy bot, but I, you know, I, I'm intrigued. I think it's cute. I don't know if it serves a great purpose, but I mean, you know, At, 
as someone who has a family member um, that has now reached an age in which it is difficult to have this person alone in the house, I think actually this could serve a purpose in that, you know, you could make sure that the oven is turned off. You could, you know, kind of check in on this person to make sure that they seem to be doing okay. You could, you know, I don't know what Amazon's video would be, but I'll use the term FaceTime. You could FaceTime in and check in. How you doing? How's everything good? You need anything? Okay. You know, talk to you soon. So I think there are some applications for it, but just the fact that it has the screen with like the two circles to represent eyes. I don't know. I think it's adorable. You love it, huh? I, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on it for, for us. Is that how uh, much it is? It's nine hundred ninety nine ninety nine, or five monthly payments of two hundred dollars. Huh. And that's the introductory. Oh, excuse me. That's the introductory price. After the introductory period, it will be fifteen hundred dollars. So you actually are saving money if you buy now. Hmm. Well, that that seems like a good deal uh, overall. Now that I've heard it laid out that way. I'm sure I guess uh, I guess I'll put my pre-order in. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's some other interesting things. There's this thing now that like you know, it allows you to like interact with your kids more. There's some interactive games and things that you can then play. Like if you have a grandchild that lives far away or something like that. But I was intrigued by little Astros. So, you know, what kind of would you get another dachshund or would you consider a different kind of dog? Um, you know, more and more, I think Mrs. Manson is leaning towards other types. Um, her parents have always had basically beagles. And recently, uh, her parents obtained a new puppy uh, who is a uh, Labrador retriever poodle mix. So a Labradoodle. And we met this dog. Libby is her name. We met her for the first time. This past weekend, and she is a delight, full of energy. She's not supposed to get that big and, um, you know, doesn't really shed at all. And I, don't, I, 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 I'm getting sense. I'm getting the sense that uh, she's interested. I, however, will say, I think I'm I think I'm I think I'm a dachshund man. I like these weird little long dogs. They're stubborn and cute in 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 their deformities <laughs> you know um i don't know there's something about their personalities that i do really enjoy i'm sure we've discussed most of these topics again and again which is fine did you have was were there dogs in the manson childhood home no no uh, oscar is my first dog so does the idea of a larger dog like I'm not going to say intimidate you, but do you not want to deal with the the extra size or the you know energy level of a larger no, dog? No, I don't think so. In fact, I do think having a dog that wanted to walk more would be great. Um, but no, definitely not the size thing. Although I will say, like thinking about it rationally, uh, Mrs. Manson is not a large person. I don't think that a bull mastiff would be a good uh, match for her. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not six foot five or nothing, but I she do think I could hold my own. She could ride it around. 
Uh, and she would try. I have no doubt. She would yeah. fashion a saddle. Yeah, and, my uh, parents have had white German shepherds. They don't at the moment, but they had white German shepherds ever since I was a kid. And, you know, my mom's five foot two. So walking that dog is a challenge because, you know, those that get German shepherds, especially white ones that are purebred, so a little extra energy, let's say, uh, you know, they get something you know, on their mind and they just dash off. And my mom was often dashing after it. Yeah. Or you just get pulled for the ride. Yeah. Um, that was more what I meant. Yeah. Which is not a great it. situation. No. So I, yeah, but I could see that, but you know, I don't know. I, I personally, because I am larger and, you know, have all the grace of a tranquilized bear, as we have said before, the idea of a small dog, I'm just terrified I'm going to kill it. Like, you know, I'm going to sit down, not realizing the dog is under me, and, you know. But, like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't mean this, like, negatively towards you, but, like, I think any full-sized adult falling on a dog. Yes. Of any size. Yes. It's going to cause some damage. If you have not seen the Mythbusters episode of the frozen turkey falling out of the freezer onto a gelatin analog of a dog, it is it is pretty gruesome. But no, I'm just, you know, even like when I am at Manson Manor, you know, I I am nervous to pick up Oscar because I'm like, what if I pick him up wrong and I like reach under his front legs and just pull half of him up and the rest of him (laughs) is underneath. Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to try to get a hand under the chest and under the rear portion, like, you know, but so whatever. But either way, I hope you do get a second dog because I do think, you know, if you're going to be busy now, remind me, this second job does not continue in the spring or does it continue into the spring? It does not um, currently. Uh, So so at this point, we're, we're entering October. You've done it for a month. Would you like to do this again in the future? Or now that you've done it, are you like, and I'm good? Um, I would do it again. Um, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know that I would do this exactly again, which is to say <laughs> creating a course from scratch while sure. doing everything that I'm doing. But if I were asked to teach the course again, the same course, yeah, the one that I have now developed materials for and assignments and exams. Sure. Uh, the same course, I think. Yes, I would be quite inclined to do so. How many? What percentage of? T- how much easier would it be if you were just like you know just tweak some of the slides you know or like how much eighty percent easier easier I think okay so. uh, yeah. that would make sense because most of the time you're working at that set on your second job it is the creation of stuff. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I would want to create new things and iterate and I wouldn't want to just leave it alone. Cause definitely, definitely there are things to be done. Sure. Like, and even just the other day I was thinking about it. You know, I, I use the textbook that they always use for this course. It's a microbiology text. Um, I forget what the author's name is, but microbiology with diseases by body system. It's a pretty common text, especially for health science students, nursing students, right? Um, but, you know, even in the modern day where you can get digital rentals, that textbook is still 75 bucks. There are 
good open source. Um, there's a company called OpenStax, which provides a lot of open source college level textbooks. They have a microbiology text, which is perfectly functional. I, I would consider trying to move over for the good of the students. But again, looking at that, I'd have to decide, well, how much can I just move right over? How much of it would I actually have to revise? Yeah. Etc. Sure. So there would have to be a balance there, but the vast majority a, of it, I feel like a bit vast majority of it could be reused in some way. So I don't know. Open to it. I will say so in lab this week, Tuesday, yesterday, uh, the department head stopped by, I think, just to kind of see how things were going, because I never stop by the office. I show up, I do my shit and I leave. I don't I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And he and, you know, he's. He's never asked me like to stop in. So if he did, I would. But he seems very happy to have somebody who's independent and happy to just to do his thing, get mm-hmm. it done and not make a lot of fuss. I have a feeling being a department head um, involves a lot of, you know, working with people who won't leave you alone. Sure. <laughs> so it's probably refreshing. Um, he came by and he was like, hey, um, what would you think about teaching this course in the spring? Not this spring. Because that's in the books already, but yeah, you know, they want spring. basically they want to offer a second section of the course. Right now, it's only sixteen students, and they're full up. They're always full up. So, you know, one thing they could do is offer a larger lecture in the fall, and then they could do two lab sections in the fall. Yep. Or continue with one lab, one lecture in the fall, and one lab, one lecture in the spring. Don't get me wrong, it would be more efficient to do it all in the fall. Sure. Um, but I don't think there's any way I could get my boss at my primary job to allow me to spend another three hours uh, at this other campus a week. Um, so I think, you know, if they wanted me to do it, the better option would be to offer the course again in the spring. Um, yeah. And the fact that he's asking me that, not about this spring, but next spring, which That's would be time. after this course is offered next fall, sure. um, says to me, if I want the job, it's mine, probably. So I would think so. I would say that's a very good sign. Which I, I think didn't... is funny because, again, I haven't had any student evaluations from the lecture yet. I've only given one exam he does have access to my online site, so I presume maybe he went in and looked to see how my first exam went. I don't that know was, if he did. That or was not. what I was going to ask. How did your cherubs do on your their first exam? You know, not as well as I would have hoped, but not bad. Um, this average, the med- uh, I'm sorry, the mean was a 74. Sure. So 74 is not bad. I would have hoped a couple points higher, but that's not bad at all. The median was a 76. So, um, you know, right in the center of, of the spread of 76 not bad at all mm-hmm. what was the yeah. what was what was the mode just because i remember my statistics and usually there's mean there's median then there's mode. well the mode is the repeating value right the most often occurring value oh yeah that is you're right and I, so that was not good the mode was more like a 52 because two people in the class got a 52 you know what i mean but they were both at the bottom end of the spectrum sure. in terms of the um, the so actual spread. Okay. So you, you mode, not so useful as far as I'm concerned. That makes sense. 
Yeah. I was just bragging about my statistics knowledge. Good for uh, you. You know the you know the three different types of averages or the common ones. There's so, probably more. So you take this information. You know your students did uh, not as well as you had hoped, but not bad. What do you then, as the educator, do with that information? Is that do you consider that to be a reflection on them and their learning or lack of learning? Do you mean do you consider that? Maybe this means my there was something with the exam. If they didn't do as well, what are your what are your thoughts? Because yeah. we have we have this conversation in in my educational field uh, quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I mean I think it is a different situation to some extent in college because usually the way things are set up with quote unquote professors, it, they don't really care how the students perform. You know okay. what I mean? Not 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 that we don't care. There's plenty of people who do. I don't mean it that way. But I don't think there is this obsession with performance the way there is K through 12 because, you know, like budgets and things aren't relying on students passing yeah. all their classes. But I just think there's a different culture between the two, um, which is really what I mean by that. But yeah, I don't know. But for me personally, I did look at it. I'm trying to decide whether or not I would you know, say curve the exam. I don't think I'm going to curve the exam itself. Um, Cause I feel like if I were to say to the students now, Hey, I'm going to curve it. I'm going to curve it to a, a C plus or, or whatever. C plus curve is pretty common. I feel like in um, college scenarios, I don't know about K through 12. Um, I don't, I don't score on a letter grading system. Okay. With my, so, with my six and seven year olds. So, okay. I was waiting for you to chime in there, but explains why you didn't. Um, yeah, so like I'm tempted to, but at the same time, like I feel like if I told them now, well, I'm just going to curve you based off of everybody, based off the performance of everybody else in the class. Doesn't that disincentivize people from performing? Because you figure that if this, if the class average on the next exam is a 62, say, or 55 or whatever, I'm just going to curve it to a C plus. Eh, if we all agree to do poorly in this small class, then we're all fine. Right. Um, So I feel like it's better off to just play that close to the chest. And at the end, if I'm going to make an adjustment, make it then. I I don't think that does me any favors because, you know, typically the people that are going to give you a bad evaluation are the ones who are doing poorly. And so letting them sort of sit and stew about it for a semester probably doesn't do me any favors in terms of my evals, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that I care. So did you get to decide what percentage of the grade was exams? What percentage of the grade was participation in lecture and technically? Yes. Um, I didn't really make any decisions like that this time. Mm -hmm. I basically looked at the structure of the course as it existed. I didn't want to make any big waves. I'm at this point, I was thinking maybe I'm just stepping in, for this guy for a semester. So again, sure. Don't want to make any big changes, rock the boat. Um, so I did not really make any changes like that. I stuck roughly to what we did before, um, which I think is 60% lecture, 40% lab. And that 60% is just coming straight up from four exams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lab was whatever I'd been doing the last few years. So there that's more varied. They've got like 10 assignments, 10 pre-labs, something like that, you know, splits it up and a couple lab reports. Yeah. Oh, and a lab final. How much you you have said when talking about this, that you have tried to make it more of a discussion rather than a, 
Well, that's gone away a little bit. I think the earlier material lended itself to that more. Um, and now that I am kind of just drowning and just trying to get slides made, uh, <laughs> I think I'll do a better job next time. Sure. But I think that a lot of it now is more lecture. I, I will say, like, I am still trying to work in at least one sort of thought question a day where, like, I might have talked about something a few slides ago. Hey, here's this question. What do you all think the answer is? Uh, but, you know, that's probably no more than a couple of minutes per lecture on something like that. In the future, I would love to do something like Top Hat or Poll Everywhere. Is that the name of the software? Um, you know, the sort of thing where I'm able to put a question on the board and students with their phones or laptops could submit their answers. Then we could see in real time what people are submitting and what the percentages are. And then you could actually you know, assign a participation grade based off of participating on those lecture polls questions, not necessarily on whether they get it right or wrong, but in that they're participating. And that's, that's something that we use in some of the larger courses at mm -hmm. my primary job. And Something like that, I think, would be great to incorporate into this course. But again, I was sort of coming in last minute here. The textbook wasn't even assigned over at the bookstore. Um, so those are changes, things to be added in the future. You know what I mean? And I think I'd like to do something like that where maybe I've got a, a series of questions, extra help questions in an interface like that where they can do it electronically. They get a couple tries per question. Instead of offering extra credit or whatever, which I'm not doing, but instead of doing something like that, that would be it. Like you could treat it as a homework assignment. And if you do it, you get that to count as the equivalent of an exam grade in your final average. If you don't do it, I just won't count it, you know, but it's up to you whether you do it or not. And it's available to everyone. Something like that might be something I would consider doing, but again, something I'd have to develop and I don't currently have available. So, yeah. Cause I was thinking, you know, I'd, I remember in, in in education classes 100% because they were always relatively small. Um, you know, whether when there were exams they, or papers, they counted as part of it, but they much more wanted you to participate in discussions. And that was a part of your. Yeah. I feel like if I could get real, but here's the thing, right? Because now I'm, I'm talking about all these things where I just said it would be 80% of the work. But if I actually did any of the things I just mentioned, yeah. I'd be just as busy. I don't know. I think it would be, I think it would be maybe not 80% of the work. It might be 40% of the work, which would still give you yeah. more time. Yeah. But, and, you know, again, once I have that tool in place, then I have it and, yes. and so on and so forth. So, I don't know. Well, we've spent now half an hour <laughs> chatting about mainly just this sort of stuff. And, we're engaging conversationalists to be sure. Uh, but over the last few weeks, uh, this has been more of a wrestling show. So I will ask you, how much wrestling have you watched this week? I watched myself some AEW Dynamite last week. I did and not this, watch Rampage, but I watched Dynamite. I will say right now, you have watched more wrestling than I have since last we spoke. I have watched zero professional huh. wrestling this week. And I will talk about why that is when we get to our piece of positivity. But um, well, I'm glad it's a positive reason. Yes. Uh, what did you think? I believe Dynamite began with Kenneth Omega versus uh, Bryanson Daniels. 
So what did you think of that match and Dynamite as a whole? I think Dynamite as a whole was a good show. Not as good as, say, the all-out uh, pay-per-view that we consumed sure. not that long ago at Manson Manor. But sure. I will say, you know, that show, you know, Dynam- uh, not Dynamite, uh, uh, all-out, I called that a five-star show with three-star matches. Yeah. I think Dynamite was maybe a, a three or I mean, I'll, I'll give it a four-star show with a five-star match on it. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson yes. very well could have been a five-star match for me. It was really very good. And the thing that I liked about it is Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, I got to get used to that. Brian Danielson is a fantastic wrestler. And I forgot, I think, because, you know, watching him in the WWE, you say, well, you know, he's been in the WWE now for 10 years. Yep. He's an older dude. He's had his concussion. He had all these issues um, where he, maybe he was forced to retire. It seems like he's lost a step. But at the back of your mind, also, you know that they've asked him not to do certain things and yeah. certain moves and so on and so forth. So to see. Brian Danielson, and to see him, what I will call, say, unbridled in the ring, right? The restraints removed. I'm not even going to say he did anything all that crazy. Don't get me wrong. He took some, he took some bumps that he never would have taken in the WWE with his current constraints. Sure. But the thing that I was most amazed by is I cannot remember the last time I saw him move with the quickness that he showed in that match. There were times when he moved and it was just this little burst of getting across the ring, getting in front of Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega, you know, in step doing the same, like there was this, there was this quickness and agility that I feel like I just had assumed he was not capable of. Yep. But he is. And it was just, it was a refreshing match to see those capabilities of this performer who clearly loves being in the ring without the restraints, without the gloves on, as you say. You know what I mean? You could see the joy, and that came across. And what I would say, arguably, is a five-star match. It was really enjoyable. I liked it a lot. And the fact that they started the show with it, yeah. That, that company has, knows what the audience wants. They know how to get the show going. Because if you yeah. wait at the end of the show for that, everybody would just be waiting for it. And I, whether or not it was... Well, the, let's give credit to AEW. I don't know if they fully deserve it, but I will give credit to AEW in saying uh, Monday Night Raw began with Big E versus Lashley. Like, that was their world title match. And they were like, now, granted, Mondays, they're going up. They're trying to get people before football starts. So I understand the reasoning behind that. But I think on SmackDown, too, they had some, you know, match. And oftentimes in that case, because I think what happened on Raw, if I remember correctly, is it was Big E versus Lashley, the Hurt Business reunited. And that led to, I believe, a six-man tag at the end of the night. But still, you are putting big-time matches right away. 
you know, so I said this a few weeks back, and I recently saw Dirt Sheets interviews with Eric Bischoff, yep. who basically said the exact same thing I said weeks ago on this show. Vince McMahon yeah. backed into a corner yeah. is not only the best Vince McMahon, but he loves it. He thrives in those conditions. And yeah, I think. I think you're already seeing it. Oh, absolutely. In Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, I did not watch Extreme Rules. Uh, I was working on stuff. I was spending time with the wife. I did not watch Extreme Rules. Um, people had some problems with some of the weird endings. You know, the demon Finn Balor lost because he was on the top rope. May I just say, also, not to cut you off, every time I hear the demon now, I don't think, think of, of Finn, I think of the fiend. I'm yep. so confused anytime somebody says the demon to me because I'm like Bray Wyatt's back. No, I the realize rumors are anyways. the rumors are that Bray Wyatt will be on AEW tonight, but I believe he's his non compete clause still is up. I think he's still got to stay off TV. I actually kind of hope he doesn't way. end up in AEW. <laughs> I would like to see Bray Wyatt in Impact. I know that sounds weird. But, no, it doesn't. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like AEW's you know. got a tight roster. Um, and Impact, I think, could use that character, that star yep. power. Yep. Um, spread the, the love. Spread the wealth. That's all I'm saying. I feel the same way about Braun Strowman. Like, yeah. Now, granted, now, granted, what AEW does not have, with the exception of Luchasaurus, and now, I suppose, Paul White, is a big man. What about Hobbs? Right. Hobbs is around. Isn't he pretty big? I don't know how tall Hobbs is. Yeah, well, yeah, he might not be that tall. Guy. But Braun even Strowman, like, even you know. like Brian Cage, they've got. He's yeah. not that tall, is he? I mean, he's no. jacked. No, and he hasn't think, been around you know, for a while. But yeah, Brian Cage might be. I can look it up. He's probably like six four, six five. You know what I want? For, I just want Jeff AW Cobb. I want Jeff Cobb in there. Yes, please. I know he's in Japan, but come on. Uh, apparently, Brian Cage is only six feet tall. Only both of us would. Towered, to be yeah, dwarfed tall. upon him. Yeah. Do you want to be taller? I mean, I wouldn't turn it down. Not tall guy, taller, but like taller. If I could be six feet tall, even I'd take it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, Braun Strowman would be a a, a com- nice comparable on AEW. But again, I think he's more of a guy that benefits from Impact. The only reason people are suggesting that Bray Wyatt's going to AEW tonight is because it is some tribute to Brody Lee tonight. I think it's the anniversary of his AEW debut or something like that. But either way. But either way, yeah. Um, Finn Balor, also known as the Demon, uh, was on the top rope and the ropes collapsed and he fell to the ground, got speared, and lost. So people didn't like that. How did the rope break? Was there a bad special effect? Like, was there a puff of smoke or did it just give way? I believe it gave way. And, you know, when Brock Lesnar and the big show were doing that superplex spot and the ring broke, you could, you could, you could kind of go. Yep. Uh huh. When Yokozuna went to do the bonsai drop and the rope broke and Steve Austin was able to pin Yokozuna. Right. That made total sense. Sorry, Simon. Finn Balor is 90 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. So 92 pounds. Uh, unless it is the power of the the paint, I don't know how the rope broke. 
Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I guess you could come with a dirty heel story. The Usos loosened it. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Whatever. Um, you know, Roman retains Finn Balor, you know, looked like he could have beaten him were it not for those meddling kids. So, you know, I, I, I get where they were going with it. Yeah. But, but having an unsatisfactory conclusion to your main event. Yes. It, that's one of those things that I understand they're an entertainment company, not a wrestling company. Yeah. But I feel like if, if Vince McMahon is feeling the heat, if he's feeling the challenge, I feel like that's one of those things that they need to look at the drawing board on and probably move away from. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But I don't know if it was as AEW's done to themselves with that exploding death match where it was just sparklers. Oh, sure. But, I will say Tony Khan was like, yeah, that's not what we wanted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he just he yeah. he he addressed it head on. He was like, we had a third party come and do this, and it was not what we were hoping for. We are yeah. sorry. We will try it again someday, and you better believe we're going to get it right that time. That's actually sort of refreshing to me. Very Vince McMahon so. would never nope. come out and say that. He's come out and said certain things, but it takes a lot of pressure, and it takes, you know, the, yeah. like that, a that lot of that start, stuff. Is- that start of the Attitude Era thing yep. that he did, I yep. guess, is maybe the closest, but. Yeah. Well, and and there was that it's now kind of an infamous moment where the McMahons, including the children and Hunter, were in the ring and they were like, you know, we're not giving you what you want. Starting today, we're going to give you what you want. And then nothing changed. Oh, yeah. That was bullshit. Yeah. Um, But I will say, like you said, you know, WWE appears to be trying a bit harder. Uh, I am very intrigued. The draft starts on Friday. I'm looking forward to that, seeing where. You know, some movement will be. It, I, I'm guessing Lashley is going to uh, SmackDown. That seems to be the case. Uh, we, it looks like we're getting a Big E Drew McIntyre match, which should be quite enjoyable to watch those two hosses battle it out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't watch NXT. Um, I have to decide: Do I want to, you know, go back to Dynamite and watch? Omega and Danielson, everyone says I should, says it's a great match. And do I try to watch and catch up or do I just say, screw it and, you know, watch what I watch, but we'll have to, we'll have to see how that feels. You never feel like you need to catch up. Do you? You're just like, if something's on, I'll watch it. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, We have, as we seem to be heading in the direction of uh, the email portion of the show, um, we have a message sent by a Twitter DM um, that Jeremy would like to pose as a question. And it's something that somebody tweeted out uh, at Russell Purists asked if Tony Khan was hiring somebody to help him out with booking, creative hiring and other top decisions, who would you want it to be? Do you, is there somebody you, you know, yeah. whether it's a, whether it's a person from Twitter, whether it's an actual wrestling personality, uh, uh, who are you thinking? I'm thinking me. I, I'd like to get that AEW salary money, and then sure. I could quit all three of my jobs. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I really think I've got a great mind for the business. I really think I'd be an asset to that company. Hey, Tony, call me. Hear this? Call me. 
who would be the first, who's the person on that roster uh, that isn't getting a push that you would like to give one to? Hmm. See, I think that's a difficult question to answer because I feel like almost everybody is getting some love over there. Unless it's somebody who just isn't on my radar at all. Sure. Um fine. Who would who would be somebody you would want to build a major story around? See, like I would say MJF. But he's got yeah. major stories building around sure. him. I would say right. a lot of people. Well, it's it's when we did the draft years ago, and I believe you made a case that you could build your entire company around Johnny Gargano. Absolutely. Anyone like, like that? Who's mm. the, who's that guy? Who's going to be the foundation of your company? That I don't know. I, I, I think they're doing a good job right now just with Kenny Omega. Um, sure. I don't know if they've got especially where they are right now. I don't know they've gotten up and comer poised for that. Cause like mm-hmm. you've got Kenny Omega, you've got Brian Danielson, you've got your CM punks, you've got your lesser extent, Chris Jericho. He's fading into the background, doing some yep. mid card work, but you've got your Cody Rhodes and even he's fading as well. It's like, I yep. don't, I don't know. Maybe it's MJF. If I had to pick one, mm-hmm. cause he is so young. But I do think they're doing a good job. Yeah, they're doing a good job of positioning him already. But yeah, so. long term, yeah, MJF yeah. probably. The, the issue you run into with MJF is that you now have Adam Cole, who does a lot of what MJF does. And you can argue who does it better. But you want the jackass heel. That's kind of Adam Cole's thing. And that's kind of MJF's thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think MJF probably does the character work better, but sure. Adam Cole's probably stronger between the ropes. So, yeah, I don't know. And like somebody like Jungle Boy, all right, he's got to shave those sideburns. I understand <laughs> they're probably an homage to his father, but uh, they got to go. They just don't go with the rest of his look. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm even trying to think like who else is in the elite? Like, Sammy Guevara, like I don't. He T to me is a TJP like character. Yeah, oh, that's a great comparison. You know, I think I think he's more likable than TJP. Maybe, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But but yeah, I mean, Darby Allen, I think has a bright mm. future. But I mean, choice. the problem with Darby Allen, it's not a problem actually. But like, I do think he's limited to certain companies. I don't think limited is the right. He's just, he's small, right? He's small. He's never going to go to the WWE. So again, no, that's actually probably a greater reason for brass and AEW to get behind him in a big way. Cause someone yeah. like MJF, you could see him making that transition. 100%. Darby Allen, less so. I'd love to see them get Eli Drake from the WWE. I think he's a good solid upper mid card guy who would be, but at the same time, he's, a bit older now, so yep. he's not exactly a young talent. So I don't know. Um, but to go back to the original question, legit, I would gonna go with somebody who has a great wrestling mind. And the one that I always go to, the person who I feel like always puts together a good product is Paul Heyman. I yeah, I feel like he does a good job, and for some reason, and maybe he's difficult to work with. I don't know. 
but it seems like he always gets his legs cut out from under him when they give him a creative position in the WWE. I think he just, he always seems like he puts together a product I'm interested in. And this is probably a more left field thing, but knowing that he is a Paul Heyman guy, um, he's never really done anything like this, but I've heard enough about the input that he does have on things. I would like to maybe see Brock Lesnar in that sort of behind the scenes role. I think Brock, Brock Lesnar, you know, love him, hate him, whatever. I think he does have an excellent mind for the business. He certainly knows how to get himself over. And I don't know whether or not that would, that would work on a different scale, but I would like to see it play out. Um, especially like if you could get him as a package deal with Paul Heyman, I'm not <laughs> saying put, put Brock Lesnar on the television. I'm saying I want to see what he would be capable of. Like just recently, I was reading something where, you know, one of the WrestleMania cards recently was him and Seth Rollins going on. Supposedly the card came out and it was him going on right before the main event. And Lesnar basically said, that's not going to work. Like you can't put us back to back with the main event. And then they ended up, you know, he went up, he petitioned the vents. It took a while to convince them and they let him do the opening match instead giving him yep. some nice breathing room there. Supposedly that was all Brock's idea. And that's really what I'm basing this off of. Just that one piece of facts that I know sure. about him, but also knowing how he's treated his own character and built up his own mystique and being, you know, an advocate for himself and his career. Yeah. I think, I think there might be something between that weird misshapen baby head of his. <laughs> I, I'd like to see that play out. I, yeah, I don't know if I would have him as a, a booker necessarily, but for someone to either pull Brian Cage aside and be like, here's how you do this. You know, I was once a big, giant, muscular guy with incredible potential. Here's what we did. Or like you said, Brock, here's what we're thinking. You are not a, re like, yes, you probably enjoy pro wrestling, but you're not a fan. You're not on Twitter. We just want to do this as a sounding board. Here's what we're thinking. And he'd probably go, this is good. This is good. This sucks. This is shit. Uh, okay. Can I go home now? And you'd be like, yep, thanks. That's all we needed. <laughs> right? I just, I don't yeah. know if that's an agent position or what that yeah. is, but consultant. I, and, and to me, I would, my consultant pick would be Mick Foley. Mm. I like Mick because Foley. And I do feel like I agree with a lot of what he says. But then I just remember his run in TNA, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm more thinking, again, you're not making matches, but you're someone who, and in his case, I think it's, you are a wrestling fan. You do pay attention to Twitter more than probably some people do. You can tell, you know, you're the one who I'm going to say, how do you think people are going to react to this card? And you can point out and go, they're going to love this. They're going to love this. I don't think they're going to understand this. You might need to explain it better. And they're absolutely going to hate this. Is that what you want? Because mm. sometimes you want them to hate it. Yeah, that's true. But so um, and then, you know, I before realizing Jeremy sent this, um, you know, the name one of the names I mentioned was uh, Eddie McCabe. Good old Liam Stryker. I think he's got a good mind for this. I'd be interested to see what he did with it. Um, you mentioned Eric Bischoff. I think Eric Bischoff's another person that you'd kind of be like, 
You've been doing this a while. I, again, I don't want to give you any power. The but, thing with Eric Bischoff is, I will say, I feel like I've seen him have enough chances. I feel like well, the stuff he did in TNA did not pan out. I feel like mm. even the more recent creative stuff he was doing in the WWE didn't pan out. I, I understand like there is an issue with getting behind people and cutting their legs out from under them. So maybe that sure. wasn't his fault in the WWE. I don't know. But I yeah. of the two, I feel like Heyman is my pick. But yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think Bischoff is necessarily wrong, but wouldn't be the first one I would think of. No. But yeah, there's, you know, you go with Michaels, you go with Regal. There's a lot of m- good minds out there that. Mm, yeah, Michaels, HBK. Um, That's a, hey, yeah. you know what? This would be insane. But hey, uh, I heard your little NXT project uh, <laughs> didn't really work out, Hunter. Um, are you looking for a position over maybe in the competition? I would love to see that go down. Holy shit. Wouldn't that be just insane? That's, well, I don't know what Shane McMahon's doing right now, but you got to imagine there's like some, just so you know, Tony Khan said he, you know, Tony Khan wanted me to give you his number. Mm. Uh, he'd love to chat, chat sometime, Shane. Yeah. He'd love to chat. Crazy. So, uh, we do have two actual emails, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. Uh, and our friend Brent, newest of the besties, uh, sent in another email. It has no subject. DC. Could you make me a spreadsheet of all the actual in-ring time of every pro wrestling show in the history of ever? Please. But seriously, uh, which wrestling name do you guys like the best? Tom Boogaloo Shaft, Bastion Booger, Michael McGillicuddy, or Braun Breaker? Um, I, I couldn't make you a spreadsheet of all the in-ring time ever because wrestling has existed for so long. We don't have accurate records. And in terms of the, the written history, I believe there are plenty of websites that already offer you those spreadsheets. I like making spreadsheets of things that aren't necessarily going to be included elsewhere. Uh, of those four, Michael McGilligutty is clearly the least. Yeah. That's the bottom of the group. I know what um, my pick is. Bastion Booger? Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on. Got that little alliteration. It's kind of disgusting. Mm-hmm. Ron Breaker, I, you know, it's got that same sort of thing going for it, but it's just silly. I don't like Braun Breaker because there's two Ks, and I don't know why. Yeah. 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 Um, Tom Boogaloo Shaft, who is a world-class wrestler, I've, I've seen him on some of the archives. I think that's a great name to be Tom Boogaloo Shaft, uh, especially being an African-American wrestler in the 70s and 80s. To have a last name of Shaft is pretty cool. But yeah, Bastion Booger is clearly the winner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Brent. I hope we, we see more of your emails. And then Glenn, I knew he was going to email us about this. Biscuits slash cookies. Hi, guys, with hopefully a taste test of UK biscuits coming soon. Are there any biscuit types from this side of the pond you have already tried? And if so, what was your favorite? Favorite. Favorite. Thanks as usual, Glenn. I, I like that Glenn spelled favorite in the American sense. Yeah, but I had to pronounce it the other way. He was asking us about UK biscuits. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that he, he took the U out for us. 
Um, I don't know that I've had any UK biscuits. I think I've definitely had some sort of biscuit made by Cadbury. Sure. Um, that isn't normally found here, which, eh, not great. Oh, you know what I like? I like Bischoff cookies. Not Eric Bischoff, Bischoff. They're kind of like this burnt caramel. I think that's a UK Is thing. Is it Bis- Bischoff or Biscoff? I don't know how it's pronounced. I've always said Bischoff, but. Yeah, there's no H in it, though. There's not? Not where I'm looking. I'm at, yeah, B-I-S-C-O-F-F. Well, Lotus I'll Biscoff. be damned. Well, I'm calling them Bischoffs. I don't care. Because Eric Bischoff deserves more praise. Controversy creates cookies. Yeah, I like those. Those are quite good. Um, mm. And I want to say I've had, I'm looking at some things here. Is this, do hobnobs have chocolate on them? I think so. I think I've had a but, hobnob. But really, really, Glenn, I, I don't know that this is, this is a great, because really what I'm doing right here is listing um, all the ones I've tried as opposed to picking favorites. Um, yeah. Favorite. I, I think. Cadbury I fingers. Think That's what I've had. Fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, you know, I would like to have a taste test because A, taste tests with you are fun. <laughs> and B, I think the UK biscuits would be good. My issue is I, at being a completionist, I'd want to have as many as possible. Like I'd want to have 12. And if we have like, here are four types we bought. I'm like, well, okay. But that's, you know, we'll, that we'd have to get four more and then try those and then compare them to the original four. And I feel like if we're doing this, we need to have, you know, a, a huge set. This is why we need a P.O. box, because then people could send us some and we could. They would just appear. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like I've never I've always wanted I've always wanted to try a cookie. I'm sorry, a biscuit uh, called a digestive. They've always just held some appeal to me in that science mm-hmm. sense, which I'm sure has nothing I, to do with it. But I want a Jimmy Dodger. I want one. Because right. it's called the Jammy Dodger. What is a Jammy Dodger? Uh, I'm assuming it's a biscuit with jam. I don't know. I haven't even looked. I it assume up, but so I just as know well, that. But... I just know that Jammy Dodgers are. We need like a UK biscuit variety pack. Oh, I might have had these. It looks like two uh, shortcake biscuits, and it's got like the raspberry jam in the middle, and there's like a little heart, so you can oh, see, I see the it. raspberry jam. I've had the equivalent, certainly. Yeah. I've had a version of those. I don't know. But like custard creams. Sure. I'll try those. I want to try a Jaffa cake. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Biscuit variety pack. <laughs> we just need two of each. That's really all we need. Remember that time we ate so many Oreos. We almost died. I, uh, I didn't eat an Oreo for like two years after that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you for the emails. We'll we'll continue. Mrs. Manson seemed like she had some ideas for our uh, UK taste test. Um, thank you to Jeremy and to Brent and to Glenn. Doc Manson, uh, as always, when we reach the end of the show, it is time for the piece of positivity. Uh, what's going on with you in your life that is getting you through the week with a smile on your face? Um. I uh 
I bought an under desk mount for my computer. I was going to say. I don't know. I don't know. What are you going to use with that space? What's going to go where your tower now sits? Um, the controls probably for the microphone, just so everything's not all clumped up and on top of each other. Just get some space back. Really nothing sure. fancy, nothing fancy at all. Just have it a little bit more open, feel a little bit more open on the desk. So it doesn't all feel cluttered, you know, mm-hmm. helps keep an open mind. I feel. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah, don't know. I've, I have this little filing cabinet thing, uh, next to it, but it's got the mixer and it's got uh, a power strip and there's now cords for the MacBook and my phone and the Chromebook. And yeah, I had a little roly filing cabinet thing, with some drawers on it that fit yeah. underneath the desk. You know, it's got like my pen drawer and a couple more drawers. Um, sure. That's not going to fit under my desk anymore because of this under desk ah. mount. So that's going to have to move to a different part of the room, which isn't great. But say mm, lovey. I don't yeah. go in there very often. Uh, my piece of positivity, if that is what you're going for. Yeah, I don't know. Last week on Movies. Friday, they had the Elvira special on Shutter, but I yeah. totally forgot about it and I didn't watch oh, no. it. So that's probably actually it, but I didn't watch it. Is it, yet, it on? So. Is it on demand? Can you get it? It is now. So okay, yeah, good. Yeah, so I'll definitely have to check that out. But the one thing I will say that I was I was curious about it at some points last week. I think we we were talking about Elvira a little bit, and I, I mentioned she's got to be in our mid sixty. She is seventy years old. Wow, seventy. She looks great. She looks great. Right, seventy years old. Look like that. If only we were so lucky. If only. I'm sure you will look that good when you are 70. You're going to be 70. I don't want to hear anything about it. I hope I have it. a rack like that when I'm 70. Holy <laughs> shit. Sorry. <laughs> was that was that insensitive? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take it back. Yes, your piece of positivity, uh, DC. I almost called you Doc Manson. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, DC. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people know about it. Uh, so I've been doing this. Uh, getting to WrestleMania podcast. I did a couple episodes where I just talked about what my WrestleMania main events would be, how we, you know, kind of speculating how we could get there. And so over the last week and a half or so, I, instead of podcasting about it, what I did is I actually just started working on it on my own. And I spent more than 10 hours, but perhaps less than 30 hours over the last few weeks, kind of, uh, you know, making matches, writing potential stories, coming up with ideas, making sure people were included. And uh, I finally, last night, recorded the very first episode, which released today um, over on the Joy of Booking podcast feed. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, I hope you do. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. I'm I'm nervous now because... Now that it's done, I keep thinking of all the things I could have done. So I'm going to be tweaking it as we go. Uh, but that was fun to sort of play God for a bit and be like, okay, you know, what, what do you do with Seamus? Hmm. Like, do I want to do anything with Seamus? Not really, but I should feature him. Like, I shouldn't just take him off TV. So I came up with something. I have an idea for what old Shamey's going to do. Um, but yeah, I'm, it, it was enjoyable. And so uh, that took a while. But now that... It's done, and I've recorded a podcast about it, and I'll continue doing that. But now I have the time to actually catch up on the wrestling I missed because in, in many ways, to you know, kind of how you spend your evenings. I came home, had dinner, 
chatted with my wife a bit, then went and worked on it for an hour or two and then went to bed. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that's, that's been enjoyable. I got some interesting stuff coming down the pike. Uh, there'll be some surprise returns. There'll be some interesting twists. I, I'm looking forward to it. So that is my piece of positivity. That has been a lot of fun. All right, all right, all right. Um, so I did the math. I was going to open the show with this and then, of course, forgot. I did the math. Uh, if we stick to our weekly schedule, we should reach episode 300 the week before Christmas. Now, I'm not saying we need to do the DDT Awards. <laughs> You've made your case as to why that is done, and I fully respect that. But if episode 300 happens to fall around the holidays, I, I think we should do something, you know, to, to both a celebrate the holidays and to celebrate 300 episodes. What if we got a guest host? To host the 300th episode. Instead of us? No, we'd be on there, but they would host it like as a retrospective edition of the show. Talking about the past 300 episodes and asking us about their favorite moments, our favorite moments. I don't know who would be up to that task. Um, Oh, I can think of two people very clearly who would be up to that task. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that could be fun, but uh, I'm all for it. Um, I I wondered if we got a certain window washer and we didn't call them by name and just had them be on the show and we just never addressed the fact that like they taught they were part of the conversation, but we never called them by name and we never mentioned that they were there when they had been not there. Do you think he'd go for it or do you think that would that would be too much. If I promised not to bring up the topic of dragon dildos, I'm sorry, bad dragon dildos. I think there's a chance. Cause you know, he, he was a significant part of at least the last hundred episodes. True. And so I feel, I, I feel like he needs to be part of it in some way. I, you know, I was like, he could even like, we, if we did it in Manson Manor, he could be there and just not say anything, but he would never be able to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm open I'm open to ideas. So if people have ideas, uh, you know, feel free to send them. Um, I'm just saying, you know, given that it's a big episode, it's our 300th yeah. episode, it's our last episode. I think we should probably do something big. That's all. I'm just gonna let that part hang in the ether. I'm not even gonna acknowledge it at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Gonna, I, that's fine. Um, yeah, I, my original thoughts are Glenn or Jeremy, but you know, maybe the arsonist could host. I don't know how how hosty he would be, but that would be an interesting person. It would be uh, to to bring in for episode three hundred. There'd be lots of interesting things we could talk about. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 amenable. Mrs. Manson could host. True, true. So all right, all right, all right. We could we I would I would try to find some contact information for Todd Pettengill. <laughs> we could see if Todd Pettengill could host. <laughs> I you know hey, Simon seems like he'd have a good mind for it, but he I don't know if he does I don't know if he does adios. I think Simon's more of a writer, but I I don't know. I mean, hmm. Danielle would have interesting questions. Yeah, right? What about this Brent person? Doesn't he host a podcast of some sort? Do we just have the entire like the entire 
bestie chat is it just the bestie chat goes audio and that's the three <laughs> i mean if we show. can convince him how about mitchell he does all sorts of the tickities and the talkities he's he could host yeah. yep brandon mack would be a good host yeah brandon banks would be good maybe that's it we get 10 minutes with each bet like it's a rotating chair 10 minutes each bestie gets 10 minutes on the air right except they do have to act like the host and they do have to just you know basically pull you know self-filating comments out of us the entire time they are on the show. Yeah. 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 I think yeah, that's it's not word. about them. Yeah. No. It's not about them. No, certainly not. <laughs> Hi. Well, you know, uh, thank you for guest hosting <laughs> Brandon Banks uh, with the nine minutes and 30 seconds you have left. What do you like about us? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Doc Manson likes this plan. All right. Yeah. Shaping up. All right. I'm excited. Uh, Doc Manson, anything else you'd like to say before we head out into that good? Well, night? if you'd like to have your thoughts read on the air, send us an email, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our entire back catalog of episodes by going to ddtwrestling.com or to ddtpod.com. Or, of course, you could go to your podcast repository of choice. And finally, if you like what you've heard, and how could you? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT wrestling. Blend just a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It helps us keep the lights on and the podcast train. A chugalugalugan. I almost added GQ in there at the end. I almost fell into old habits there. But he doesn't get anything. He gets nothing. Uh, there was a there was a recent episode of The Joy of Booking where I was not thinking and said, Won't you be my bestie at the end? And then had to go, wait, crap, that's not the end. <laughs> uh if you watch Dynamite tonight, yeah. you won't get Kenneth Omega versus Brian Danielson, but you will get a 16-man tag team match. Yeah. I, eight, eight versus eight. It's something to do with Brody Lee, right? And his son? It is the Dark Order teaming with Orange Cassidy for some reason, uh, taking on the HFO, which I'm assuming, given the picture, involves Matt Hardy. Yeah, he's like In the leader way. of some sort of faction there. Yeah, but I see the butcher and the blade. I see a guy I don't know. I see private party and hey, there's on Helico. And I'm assuming that must be Jack Evans if that's in Helico. There's some so. sort of tag team women's match that I thought I wanted to see. Ty Conti's in it. And um, okay. yeah, I don't I have no idea. Yeah. Anyways, but either way, uh, thank you for joining us on this episode. This is 289. So we have about 11 weeks to figure out how to make episode 300. Uh, the best final episode of them all. I better. He is. I, I, all I can say is nerd DC. Better find some damn inspiration. All right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll talk it to his people and we'll see what we can come up with. I'm not sure. Uh, he is Doc. For it. That's yeah, true. Go ahead. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Thank you for joining us. And until we meet again, my friends, won't you be our bestie? Maybe we do DDT karaoke. Mm.